Welcome to Living Faith Lutheran Podcasts. I'm Pastor Scott Martz. Visit us online at living-faith.church or in person every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the Midlothian Conference Center, number one Community Circle Drive, Midlothian, Texas, 76065. And now be encouraged by this week's message. Now's the time to take out what we're calling now Living Faith Notes, basically the sermon notes, the full page uh, insert in your worship bulletin. As you're doing so, I want to welcome those who may be listening via podcast or, or watching online uh, via our website. We're in the second week of our sermon series called U-Turn, which is all about repentance. And our text this morning is another Psalm of David, Psalm 32. Listen now to the word of God. Of David, a mascal. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For all day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. This past week on my wife's day off, we had some things we had to do and take care of, but we took some time in the afternoon to go to a local coffee shop. As many of you know, I I love good coffee. So we went to Woodrow's Coffee Shop, and it, it is in the plaza. Very nice atmosphere. I'll go back there. I was disappointed, though, that particular day, the person working there said, we only have decaf. I'm like, decaf? I almost left because they only had decaf. But Heidi didn't want to go, and I didn't want to disappoint her. So I humbled myself, and I drank some decaf coffee. But as we sat there, uh, on the coffee table was a book, and I started paging through it. It was a devotional book based on the writings of C.S. Lewis. Now, I love C.S. Lewis. I'm a huge fan of C.S. Lewis. I've read most of his, his works. And it was a devotional, so divided into 365 days, based on his writings, which are based on scripture as a, as a Christian author. 
Now, I turn to, the, to the, 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 the day's reading, and I want to read to you what was there that day. Now, keep in mind, C.S. Lewis, if you're not familiar with him, he fought in World War I as a young man, as an atheist. I mean, he was fighting for England, but he was an atheist. And he became an agnostic after World War, World War I, and through the persistent profession of faith and, and witnessing by a friend, he became a Christian by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know him as a famous Christian author, right? But you have to understand, he was one time an atheist. So he's from England. He says things a way that we would not say them today. He uses the word progressive in a way that we don't use it today. But um, it definitely is worth reading. So this is C.S. Lewis taken from Mere Christianity. We all want progress, but progress means getting nearer to the place where you want to be. And if you have been taken a wrong turning, then to go forward does not get you any nearer. If you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. And in that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive man. We have all seen this when doing arithmetic. When I have started a sum the wrong way, the sooner I admit this and go back and start over again, the faster I shall get on. There is nothing progressive about being a pig-headed and, re and refusing to admit a mistake. And I think if, if you look at the present state of the world, it is pretty plain that humanity has been making some big mistake. We are on the wrong road. And if that is so, we must go back. Going back is the quickest way on. I thought about that. Going back is the quickest way on. That's what a U-turn is. It's going back, right, is the quickest way on. The quickest way to go f actually go forward the right way is to go back. And, and, and God provides us opportunities in life to go back, to make a U-turn, and, and, and C.S. Lewis, again, right, going back is the, the quickest way on. But we're stubborn, aren't we? I just think of perhaps driving with GPS, right, and you have it plugged in, and GPS telling you to do something, and you're like, no, nah, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm not going to follow that. And most for me, I'm stubborn, I'll do my own thing. And then GPS will say, make a U-turn, you know, make a U-turn. I keep on going, ignoring it, and eventually I get to a point where, I better make a U-turn. The quickest way back was forward is actually turn around, go back to where I made the mistake. Now, C.S. Lewis says we're pig-headed. King David would say that we are stubborn like a mule or like a horse. Now, in our, in our text in Psalm 32, David himself is case in point. You need to understand that Psalm 32 was written after David repented after he made a U-turn from a huge mistake in his life that lasted over nine months. We're all familiar with, at least I think we are. Psalm 32 was written after David had an affair with a woman who was not his wife. And David was pig-headed. He was stubborn as a mule. David thought under the temptation that taking a different path than God's path going forward would bring him joy. To, again, to have an affair with a, with a beautiful woman who was not his wife. However, 
That change of direction on his part did not bring him joy. He actually very quickly was on the path leading to death and hell. David had to learn that going back is the quickest way on. Now, we want to learn from David, and again, the, the focus today are the blessings of repentance. We're going to get there. There are so many blessings in Psalm 32, but we need to put ourselves in the shoes of David first to understand why these are truly blessings. So what was going on in the heart and mind of David when he decided to go his own path and take his own road that was away from God's path for him? You need to understand that, that David was in the prime, actually he was in a good spot in his life when he went the wrong direction. He was not a young man. David was in his 50s when he decided to have the affair with Bathsheba. Everything was going right for him. The wars were diminishing. There was more peace. God was giving him everything David was praying for, so it seemed. Yet David would leave it all and go his own way. Even though he was in the height of his career and everything was going his way. Now, we know that normally up until this point, spring of the year, David as king would go with his troops to war. And he would be there with them and they had to fight these invading armies. That spring though, he stayed home. He felt secure enough, there was a less war, I will stay home. Martin Luther is the first to pen that idleness is the devil's playground. And for David, that was very true. He stayed home. It's spring of the year. It's a beautiful day. He's enjoying his balcony. Beautiful view. And that particular day was even more beautiful because there was a, a, a young woman bathing in full view of him. David became obsessed with this beautiful younger woman Became so obsessed with her, he devised a way to find out her name. He invited her over to his palace. And there is when the affair began. David bought into the lie, life is short, have an affair. And so did Bathsheba. She's not innocent. Their affair was consensual. And I'm sure they both thought at first... It was a good thing. Bathsheba, I mean, she's getting attention from the king, the most powerful person in this country. And he's giving me attention. And King David, I'm having sex with a, with a beautiful woman. And, and they thought again that, that at first that it would be fine. However, things would very quickly change. In a few weeks, Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, King David's child. So, so David instantly turns to cover up. He has to find a way to cover up his infidelity. So married woman, it's not his wife. So what David does, Uriah was Bathsheba's husband. Uriah was a soldier in his army. So David's plan is, I will give Uriah a leave home. He'll come home, 
And, and Uriah does. He leaves the front. He, he comes back to Jerusalem. And the assumption was that he would stay at his house, sleep with his wife. And David and Bathsheba, their, their plan was that before it's noticeable she's pregnant, he'll come home, he'll go back, she'll start to have the baby bump, and people will think it's Uriah's child. Uriah was dedicated to the fight, and he refused to go home and sleep with his wife. He slept outside. Why? Because the troops all sleep outside. Why should he have a privilege of being able to sleep in his home when his troops could not do that? He was that dedicated as a soldier. King David's a little miffed at him. He's not doing what he wanted him to do. So David invites him over, has some drinks with him, and then tells him, go home to your wife. And Uriah refuses. He sleeps outside. So David's scheming is, is not working. And, and David does an incredibly evil thing. What he devises next, when you really think about it, is this totally awful. What he does is he sends back with Uriah in a sealed envelope instructions to be given to Uriah's commander. The instructions that his commander would open would be, when you go to fight, without telling Uriah, I want you to pull back the troops. And it was David's way of saying, I want Uriah dead. So Uriah is carrying his own death orders in a sealed envelope. He's faithful. He's innocent. He gives them to his commander. And guess what? David's plan worked. And Uriah was shot dead in battle. And David's thinking, it's brilliant, right? Um, I'll come across as a hero. Now, this, this pregnant wife of a soldier, she's now a widow, and I'll be the good guy, and I'll marry her, and I'll raise her son as if he's my own. And David is looking really good. So he thought. Now, we know that David was acting like a fool. He was acting like a stubborn mule, pig-headed. He's totally in his sin. He's scheming and devising things against the Lord. The problem is his sin wasn't hidden against the Lord. His sin is always in full view of God. And outwardly, again, if we could be there, it would appear that everything was going David's way. Right? He's, he's now going to acquire a new wife and all these things, and everything's going David's way. But actually, they weren't. Things always aren't what they seem to be. Psalm 32 was written after he repents. But in Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4, David goes back to the nine months, at least nine months, of being unrepentant and what was actually going on inside of him. Verses 3 and 4. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night. Your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped. Outwardly, things looked great. Inwardly, things were really bad. Day and night, God's hand was heavy upon him. By the way, God disciplines those he loves. 
He was disciplining David, very strong hand on David. David remained pig-headed, remained silent during this whole time. And, but inwardly, it affected him. It affected his psyche. It affected his body. His bones were wasting away inwardly. And it was affecting his soul. David was feeling the guilt of his sin. His conscience was telling him, David, you're an adulterer. David, you're a murderer. David, you're an adulterer. David, you're a murderer. David, you're an adulterer. David, you're a murderer. Time and time again, day and night, pounding away. And the path that David thought would bring him joy and sexual fulfillment actually brought him misery. Uh, not doing well at all. Now, God would finally send a friend of David, Nathan, to confront him. And Nathan told David an account. And David thought these were real people. It actually was a story. It was a way to point out really who the culprit was. But, but Nathan told David about a rich man who had company over. And rather than slaughter one of his animals for the meal, he goes to a person who's poor and slaughters his animal instead. And, and David was so upset, he told Nathan, this man should die. And Nathan looked straight at him and said, you're the man. You're the man. And that's what God used to bring David to his knees. And we are told, and you can read about it yourself in 2 Samuel 12, that David confessed his sins. He, he let it all out. And he confessed his sins to God before Nathan. And in summary, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. And, and Nathan, as re representative of God, told David instantly, God forgives you. Now, there'll be consequences. There's going to be some aftermath that will last the rest of David's life. But God forgave David. Now, with that in mind, Psalm 32, this is the aftermath of David, by the way, the Psalms were hymns, basically. They sung them in worship. David's a songwriter. That was part of his passion in life. Of David a masculine, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. <coughs> blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. The blessings of repentance, and, and, and the very first blessing, and this is the first fill-in, the very first blessing is true happiness. The Hebrew word for blessed means very, very happy. Very, very happy. A blessing of repentance, turning around, going back to where you, you made that mistake, and turning back to God is happiness, true happiness. It was a facade that he could find happiness in a relationship with a woman who wasn't his wife. It didn't bring him happiness at all. Happiness resulted from the U-turn that God provided him. Blessed is the one, very, very happy is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. We have different words that are translated sin or transgression. And transgression literally means debt. 
Uh, the old King James Version of Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. There's a reason for that. Because sin is a debt. It's a debt that we cannot repay. Right now in the United States, our, our debt, who knows what our overall debt is? $22 trillion. Most of that is personal debt, student loans, mortgages. It's a lot of debt. The debt of your sin is far greater. Jesus said, if a man gained the whole world, had all the wealth of the entire world, he could not pay for his salvation. The debt of your sin is greater than the $22 trillion debt by far. A blessing of repentance is that our transgressions, our debts are forgiven. God forgives them. So second blessing, transgressions are forgiven. Whose sins are covered. David was into a cover-up, right? He try, tried to cover up his transgression, cover up his infidelity. Could David cover up his sin? On the one hand, he did. Nobody else knew, including Uriah, just Bathsheba knew as a human being. But God knew. He couldn't cover up before God. God sees everything. When we try to cover up our sins, it doesn't work. God says, I will cover up your sin from before my eyes. And God covers up our sin, not with deceit, but with blood. The blood of our Savior Jesus. So a third blessing is sins covered by God completely. David goes on, and in whose spirit is no deceit. For nine months, David was living a life of deception, right? That also bothered his conscience. Deceit. God forgave David. There was no more deceit in his spirit. And that too is a blessing for us. No more deceit. Now we're going we're gonna to go past verses 3 and 4 because we already covered them. Now verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, but did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. The problem with sin, you do it, you commit it in your mind and heart. Your guilt repeats it over and over, thousandfold, millionfold. The guilt is what adds up and, and, and drives us to despair. Our sins are forgiven. That's great. It's a debt that's paid. But David says as well, my guilt is forgiven. My guilt is gone. And what a huge blessing that is. Guilt gone. Now I want to talk about guilt a little bit. What is guilt? We often say that I feel guilty, right? Is it a feeling? And I started thinking about this week. Is, is, is guilt primarily a feeling, or what exactly is guilt? Biblically, guilt is two things. Primarily, it's a status. It is a courtroom term. If you're under trial and the evidence is against you, the jury will render a verdict. We, the jury, find the defendant guilty. And the judge pronounces guilty. It's a status, right? It's also a feeling. You feel guilty. 
if you're sinning against your conscience. So, so what is guilt? It sometimes is a feeling. It's always a status. And what does God do for those who turn in repentance to him? He forgives us our guilt. The status changes from guilty to I declare you not guilty. If God declares you not guilty, it's your status in Christ Jesus. You're not guilty by reason of Christ. We need to keep that in mind because later you might have feelings of guilt again. You need to get off the throne. You are not God. You are not the judge. God says not guilty in Jesus. Verses 6 and 7. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Can't you just see this? That, that David for nine months was like he was drowning. He was being swept over by his own sin and shame and guilt. But God has now rescued him. And, 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 and David says, let the faithful pray to you while you may be found. How do you think David's prayer life was when he was unrepentant? It probably was non-existent. Or if he tried to pray, the Bible says that unrepentant sin blocks our prayers. That's what it does. It's a horrible thing. Yet, turn to God empowered by him and let the faithful pray to you while you may be found. And by the way, when is God found? Right now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to turn from your sins back to the Lord. So immediate access to God is another blessing that repentance brings. Just uh, continuing on, we already covered them, but deliverance. David felt he was drowning from his sin and shame. God delivered him, brought him to a safe spot, and protection as well. Protecting him and deliverance for David once again. Same with you. Verse 8. Now, verse 8, it kind of switches in the psalm. It's God speaking now. And it's really very personal. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Very, very beautiful words. David had gone the wrong direction. U-turn is going back. And what does God say? I will now direct you. I'll get you back on the right path, the, the right way. I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you as a powerful, loving counselor, meaning I'll help you through the difficulties with my loving eye on you. God's hand was a hand of discipline on David for nine months, but it was still a loving hand. But now a loving eye, you know, careful attention uh, to him. So verse 8, God promises instruction and also direction. Both are very important. Both are huge blessings from the Lord. Verses 9 and 10, do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding. Again, David, I was like a horse or a mule or pig-headed, as C.S. Lewis would say, which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. David was wicked. I can't think of a more wicked thing to do than have an innocent person die. In his sin, he was wicked. 
Yet in repentance, God, God delivered David and gave him, once again, brought him into his unfailing love. So God's unfailing love surrounding David as a huge blessing to him. Verse 11, rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Rejoice is a way of uh, the blessing of joy that we have now once again with God. Be glad, gladness, so two more blessings, joy and gladness. Now I want to circle back to what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis, again, said going back is the quickest way on. David was many things. He was a shepherd who became a king. He was a very successful military person. And, and all these things, he, he, had, he wore many hats. But a passion of David's was music. He played the harp. He loved to write songs. He loved to sing. Do you think David progressed forward in his singing during his period of, of unrepentance? Probably not, right? Yet, through repentance, David was restored back to God. And the last thing that David says, Rejoice the Lord, be glad, glad you're righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Final blessing that God gives to us through repentance is forward progress again. Forward progress again. David could be the person that God redeemed him to be Back to singing, back to praising, praising his Lord, forward progress. Now, what about you? Are you making forward progress in your life? Forward progress in your Christian life? Or are you in a period of time where you are being rebellious, like a stubborn mule, or pig-headed, like C.S. Lewis would say? My friend, C.S. Lewis is right. Going back is the quickest way on. See what, the, what God has, in, has intended for you. Stop. Stop the sinning. Stop the hiding. Stop the concealing. Repent. Confess. God's giving you a way out, which leads to all kinds of blessings, just like King David. And I want to end by being to remind you of how it is that we can make a U-turn to begin with. Verse 5 of our text says, Blessed is the one, excuse me, verse 2, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in his spirit is no deceit. Blessed is the one that the Lord does not count their sins against them. Jesus chose an interesting path in life. There was no deceit in his spirit. He walked perfectly exactly the way he was supposed to walk and everything he did. Yet Jesus' path was a path that led him to the cross. And what happened at the cross? God allowed our sins to be counted against Jesus. He literally took our sins upon him and he suffered and died the true penalty for our sins. My friends, thank and praise God. There is a way out. There's a way out even for our deliberate sins. And that way out is through Jesus Christ, who was counted 
had our sins counted against him so they would be paid for in full and that we could truly be set free and go forward in life. Those are the blessings of repentance. Let's thank and praise our Savior for them. Amen.